1: To you by Site Divisibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is internet marketing. I, as always, am Andy White, joined today by Jerry White, not my brother. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing very well. We're talking about some of the updates, aren't we, with Google. We had Panda back in 2011, then we had Penguin. Was it the following year? Oh, yeah,
0: 2012. I lose these
1: trackers, that's so long ago. Yep.
0: And uh, we're about to embark on another update, aren't we? Tell us a bit about that. Well, it's, it's a repeat of Penguin. Um, we've just had an update of Panda last month or Quite recently, actually, Panda 4.1, which kind of impacted a large number of sites, about 2% of um, visibility of sites. Mm. And this latest um, update is, well, we're just waiting to see how much of an impact it's going to have. And this is Penguin. When was the last time Penguin was updated? Well, Penguin hasn't actually been updated in about okay. one entire year. So right. we're sort of still, we're kind of well overdue for it to be re-rolled out. Penguin only seems to happen about once a year at the moment. So
1: can we just
0: describe the differences between Panda and Penguin? Okay. Panda was set up to clean up the the spammier sites, the content farms. In fact, the original name that people gave the Panda update was actually the farmer update because it was basically wiping out a lot of the content farms. It was removing where people were creating sites, lots of spun content, lots of shallow content with the sole intention of ranking the search engines, which was then displaying adverts, mainly actually Google's adverts, but still they didn't seem to like it anyway. Mm. And this basically was what kind of caused the Panda update to kind of make sure that the, the results were far, far better quality. And that was the original Panda update. I mean, some of the examples are where a site's got duplicate content or it's, it's a very shallow content. It's not high quality. It's just poorly written and spun content. When we say shallow content, what do we actually mean by that? So, shallow content is or thin content is where the content is typically very short it 's not very it 's not quite deep enough to really make somebody actually go to the page. So, what I mean by that is that if you find yourself landing on the page mm. it doesn 't actually answer the question that you wanted it to answer so if you are searching for some information about celebrity or something, it might just have the celebrity name and very little more information. It basically wants to prioritize the pages that are the really good content the the mm. Wikipedia type pages rather than the pages which are. Just no more information than any of the other pages.
1: So that's a Panda sort of the, the, the sort of content farm blaster, if you like.
0: So I'm guessing that Penguin had a different approach. Well, Penguin was targeting the off site element of it all. Back in the search engine days when I was sort of first starting out, we did lots of directory submissions. When we did directory submissions, we wanted a site to rank for a particular key phrase. So that was the key phrase we used in the anchor text, the, the actual text you click on. Mm. So for instance, instead of typing in you know the brand name, we'd type in if it was an SEO agency, we'd type in Brighton SEO agency. So there's lot there'd be lots of links kind of going Brighton SEO agency. And the more links like that, the better the site performed. In fact, we used to do things like link bombs where you might have heard of it where some certain phrases would actually link to totally inappropriate sites like yeah. um, uh, Bush's Poodle, for instance, would link to Tony Blair. And even though the content wasn't on the page, <laughs> it just demonstrated what would happen. And this was sort of targeting when SEO guys were basically abusing this to try and make their sites rank above other people. Mm. It was sometimes referred to as over-optimization and or exact match anchor text. And this sort of thing has now been very much discouraged. And whenever we're sort of actively looking at how we build links and directories and things like that, which we still do for local SEO and for other purposes, mm-hmm. we kind of make sure that it actually describes the business rather than the key phrase that we want to target.
1: Okay. So is there any speculation about what this latest update is likely to do? Have you got any information at all about it?
0: We know from the way in which Penguin runs that it will basically be just more of the same. We are mm. working hard to do things like disavow bad links. Uh, we are working hard with our clients to make sure that there's nothing that's been negatively built up against the site that will have an impact when this is rerun. Mm. There is actually the possibility of negative SEO, and it's, it's allegedly not possible, according to Google, or they have admitted that it is just about possible to do By that, we mean that if, for instance, we wanted to buy a load of links and point them at a competitor, Google might come along and almost penalise the competitor rather than us. Mm. So we are sort of making sure that there's none of that for us. We're making sure all of our clients' backlink profile looks as clean as possible. The directories that they are in are appropriate. They're not just lots and lots of bought, spammy ones. So we are basically making sure that all the links coming to our clients are as on target, good quality, natural as possible, and anything that isn't. We're either trying to remove it or get it disavowed.
1: So this is a Penguin update, so it's, it's more likely to be about off-site. Exactly right. The, yeah. the, than the sort of link farms and stuff like that. That's right. So what can our listeners be doing? I know you mentioned a few things that SiteVis are doing. For yeah, absolutely.
0: What can our listeners keep at the forefront of their mind? So there's two places to have a look in. Uh, the first one is Webmaster Tools. Mm. Webmaster Tools will allow you to see uh, a large sample of the backlinks that come back to your site. And from this, you can kind of go through and, and literally manually have a look through and say, you know, do these look bad? Is the wrong key phrase linking through to us or is it inappropriate? Is it too spammy? And the second thing to do is use the Majestic. Majestic is completely free for a site owner. You have to approve yourself using Webmaster Tools information. Mm. And then you can do exactly the same thing. You can pull off all the site backlinks and do exactly the same thing. You can look at the keyword anchor text. So these are two sources for anchor text which you can review. If you look through them, you can kind of have a good guess as to whether or not they're a good link or a bad link. And if they're, if you've got lots of bad links, then put it in the disavow file.
1: Now, just going back in time, I know recently we've just had a Panda update, haven't we, the last yep. few weeks or whatever. What do we know about that? Have we seen much effect?
0: Yeah, well, the last Panda update was 4.1. And the one before that, 4.0, was the one that hammered a lot of press release sites and similar sites. And we've been looking at this one quite a lot because we've You know, we've got a lot of articles out there and and we've got clients who, you know, do have kind of a lot of um, e-commerce type sites. So we have basically making sure that our clients, the content has been as rich as possible. That means literally going through almost page by page, looking at what Google sees and making sure that it's not thin content. It's not Mm. duplicate content. It's not low quality. I mean, for example, with the duplicate content, we make sure that it's unique to that site. E-commerce clients particularly often find their content is duplicated around the web. So a description for a, a television, for instance, mm. you might have five other people using exactly the same description because it's sourced from the manufacturer rather than rather than actually custom written. This will mean that you won't necessarily rise up in the ranks unless you have gone a, got a custom description for it. If you've got mm. the custom description, that does mean that you stand a really good chance of being on page one. And the better the description, the more descriptive it is, the more you use things like user-generated content, the more you use uh, you know imagery, the better it will actually serve up. The other thing we make sure is the layout of the page. We have noticed that the layout of the page actually has a significant impact. If you have too many adverts and not enough content, this, again, is a sign. Google can kind of actually tell the difference visually between all the advertising on the page mm. and actually the, the real content on the page, even images. Google now does render the page and sees a full rendering of the page. And as a result of that, you should actually look at how Google sees the page by using the Google's own fetches Google and Render feature hidden within Webmaster Tools. Mm. By doing that, you can actually kind of get a good feel as to whether or not the page is exactly how you would expect the search engine and the user to see it. And the better it's laid out, the better it seems to rank. Google likes things like video, Mm. imagery, everything laid out really clearly. Presumably Google isn't actually rendering the images and trying to work out what's in them, is it? Or? It is pretty much, yeah. Google's really, really clever in that way. And mm. um, we know that if you right-click an image, for instance, in Chrome, you can find all the same images. Google can see a lot more in images than people tend to realise. Right. Unsure at the moment whether or not Google's trying to read the text within images because we know it's invested in OCR, which is the ability to read text and yeah. images. We know it's invested in lots of, sort of similar things, and it knows that um, you can actually do a search within your own photographs, for instance, on Google Plus to say, I want to see photos of cats. And it'll actually find cat photos for you from within your own photos, which is kind of scary, actually. In which some ways.
1: indicates it is doing some kind of uh, sort of spatial recognition on an image.
0: Yeah. Um, A long time ago, a guy called Mike King wrote an article about the headless browser Mm. where he basically laid out the fact that um, Google does actually fully render the page and looks at it in that way. Mm. It will execute JavaScript. It will follow links that you don't expect it to. It will try and do things on the page like a normal user will. And we've actually found that content loaded in for Ajax, which we didn't expect it to find, Mm. actually it does find. And we, we find that it does do more on the page than most users would expect a search engine robot to actually be able to do. Which
1: is indicating is actually executing, executing, get my teeth in, executing JavaScript.
0: It absolutely well. definitely is, and it's following links in JavaScript and similar, which sometimes causes issues, because sometimes we don't want Google to follow these links. We don't mm-hmm. want Google to be seeing buttons and clicking things, because it's actually doing things like and content. Like a delete button or something like that. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, so it's... Good, that's a very good argument for putting delete buttons behind uh, some sort of uh, sign-in wall. Okay, so do we know, I know you've touched on it, but do we know roughly that a sort of safe page layout to go for?
0: There's nothing that is absolutely perfect. Part of the reason for this is that eBay did a really good job of creating some really kind of better pages, but mm. it created far too many of them. It created a sort of micro-content farm about all of its products. Mm. And actually, in many ways, this was probably what we would have recommended for a company to do, is creating... What's a good quality page is about Mm. products. Unfortunately, Google came along and basically went, well, no, this is effectively a content farm. Mm. Let's go through and and remove all of this. And it did that. It actually effectively removed a substantial amount of eBay's traffic overnight and its visibility for a lot of its static content. And so there is no simple, this is the good answer, but our recommendation is basically good titles, good imagery, Mm. a substantial amount of text, you know, about 250 words plus but there is no hard and fast rules. It is basically almost down to how the user will see the page. We know that Google will look at things like bounce rates. And by bounce rate, I mean the, the bounce back to search rather than the actual bounce rate recorded in Google Analytics. Right. So, I mean, for instance, if somebody comes to a site, comes mm. straight back to Google, we know Google can kind of see that effect. Mm. But what we don't know is what else it sees. We don't know how much information it's getting from the Chrome toolbar, how much information it's getting from. There are so many sources Google can be getting information from before it's to make real judgments on how people are using your sites before it kind of makes these decisions. So It's worth making sure that you know it's the user experience first and foremost about the site, rather than worrying too much about how the search engines are going to see the page.
1: You know, we're seeing all these updates from Google to Panda to Penguin, and I can only guess that Google is going to get smarter and smarter as the years go by with further updates, and maybe we'll see some other animal updates coming on, like Earthworm or something like well, that. Well, we have just had the
0: Hummingbird update, of course.
1: To my point. So, I mean... Can can people just be intelligent about it and always have the, sort of the visitor in mind and just be human about it and just be as helpful as possible? Do you think if you adopt that sort of attitude, it's it's going to sort of allow you to sail through these updates relatively unscathed? Is that a good approach? Do you think
0: it's a good approach? Unfortunately, Google isn't always as nice as you'd expect it to be and as fair as you'd expect it to be. Sometimes you'll get swept up in the wrong updates. So, uh, Google treats the search almost like a big mixing desk Mm. it has like a thousand controls and it can turn one up one down as it wants to we we've just seen for instance that one of our recommendations has always been to put um authorship into blog posts yeah yeah it's just got rid of all of that we've recently
1: discussed that haven't we yeah
0: Mm. We know that you know, there's lots of ways in which Google will kind of turn around and say, actually, don't do this, do this, and things like that. So no matter how hard you work on the perfect site, there is always that risk. And it can be mitigated by following best practice and just generally making sure that you know, you have got the user in mind, you have got that, that end, basically, user experience first and foremost. And that goes through straight from the search engine all the way through to conversion. So you can actually make sure, for instance, the metadata that you present to search engines It's good. It's the experience that they want. So when you go through to the page, it's not a surprise. That means making sure the description tag, simple as that, is accurate about Mm. what you're actually going through to. Mm. And the hummingbird update means that as people are searching for many more answers to questions... If somebody's looking for the, uh, a Volkswagen Passat tyre uh, PSI, mm. they're actually searching for a specific question. So if yeah. your page is answered almost like a question, sort of saying, this is the um, PSI for a Volkswagen Passat, you actually stand a better chance of appearing higher up in the search result. Yes. And this, this is very much how Google's looking at what people are searching for. Google's sort of, turning themselves into the answer engine, which I think was the, the sort of core sign of um, many other search engines mm, in the past, mm. which is interesting how they've moved into an area which sort of classically failed for many others because they're kind of doing it smarter and better. And you've probably noticed that when you start asking questions, Google not only answers that question but expects the next question and provides the next answer. So if you search for, you know, what is the height of the Eiffel Tower, Yeah, how high is that, or something like that, it will almost try and expect it to answer the previous question. The Hummingbird update has sort of turned it into a conversational engine, so it will kind of base a lot of the answers on your previous searches, and, and the tailored search results means that if we're ever looking at how Google is presenting a series of search engine results, we almost have to start with like being a fresh browser every time. And it will also tailor the results based on where you are, so we get completely different results to everywhere else in the country. Yeah.
1: Do we have any facts and figures about how many the, the sort of market share between where Google is compared to like Bing and Alta Vista, which is now Yahoo, of course, isn't it? Do we have any idea where that pie chart is in terms
0: of how many people are using what? We do um, find that it's about 97% 97% Google. Google. Although it's always worth remembering you can't necessarily see exactly all of the traffic. Yeah. We basically, we we take this data from places like uh, Google Analytics, of course. Yeah. And it is worth remembering that Bing might be powering things like Siri and other search engines, and and also the desktop search, which might necessarily reveal a referrer. So we only get a sort of an approximation of this, but we kind of prioritise Google over all the others by to about 97%, at least yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Of course, if we're doing international SEO, then we have to look at places like Yandex and all the other search engines that yeah. are more appropriate to those particular countries. Because if you're
1: countries. in China, you won't necessarily be going to Google, will you?
0: No, that's Beidou, Sozu, and... I can't remember the well, other like,
1: Well, you're doing better than I can, because I couldn't remember. <laughs> no, there's, there's
0: three in China that are like, there's a predominantly lion's share of the three of them, and yep. these ones basically account for most of it. Um, Beidou, I think, is something like 70% at the moment, so the two of us are much bigger than people realise, mm-hmm. because everyone thinks it's Baidu. But Baidu's expanding across. Baidu's now coming into Russia and Turkey as well. So it's worth remembering that these search engines might actually be the next Google.
1: Yeah, it's worth up. I mean, especially if you're trying to target people in these countries, you now, like Absolutely. China, then, yeah. I mean, where are these other companies like, compared to Google in terms of, uh, do they have the same vigor of sort of updating their algorithms or do we not know? Or? We don't know as well.
0: But we do know that certainly Beidou is updating and getting rid of spam a lot. Yeah. Um, Beidou is, is constantly evolving. They've actually taken a lot of staff away from Google, and people are sort of swapping between Google and Baidu. So, of course, there's going to be that uh, knowledge sharing between them sure. as staff move across to the two companies. Yeah. But absolutely, there's there's definitely more and more updates coming from In fact, there is a web page on the internet done by Baidu, which unfortunately is in Chinese, otherwise I'd tell you how to find it. Yeah. But it actually shows you the sites they're deleting out of their index that they consider too spammy on a daily basis. How That's quite good fun, actually.
1: But Google isn't doing that, are they?
0: No, that would be cool, actually, if Google had this site, oh, yeah, which is, name and a, this shame. is spam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more of a Chinese approach than an American approach, which is quietly send you a letter and saying, yeah, you've been kicked out.
1: Kick you out first and ask questions later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's almost impossible to govern which search engine people are going to use. And if 97 or 98% of them are using Google, then I guess we just, you know, have to be aware of what Google's doing. Jerry, thanks again so much. I hope our listeners will find that useful. Uh, brought to you by Site Visibility. Um, if you want to look at the show notes, it's sitevisibility.co.uk slash IM podcast. The email hotline is podcast at sitevisibility.go.uk and the telephone hotline is plus four four one two seven three two five six. One five zero, and uh, of course, you can find us on iTunes, and we love uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes, don't we, Jerry? Absolutely. So, goodbye from me, Andy Widers. Goodbye from Jerry, and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.